What's up, you guys? It's official. Draft week has just concluded, and we have a lot of shit to talk about. I tell you, there were ups. There were downs. I was invested from the jump from Trevor Lawrence all the way to Mr. Irrelevant. There were crazy picks. There were trades. There were people that I thought would get drafted that went undrafted. There were all these different things. I want to get into it, and today's episode is going to be breaking down all 32 draft classes, all of the team's draft classes, and I'm going to be ranking them based on who I like the most. This is going to be a comp- like a mix of the players that they took, if they filled the positions of need, if they took players at the positions where they were supposed to, maybe if they traded down, they get a little boost up because they gained value and still got to get the players that they did. Um, and so I'm just really going to break down everything about the draft, say which picks I liked, and just go from there. So the way that I did this is I broke it down. I ranked all 32 on a list from 1 to 32, but within that ranking, I gave different tiers of the type of draft that they had. In the top tier, there's four teams in it, and they were the perfect draft. I think that they did everything right. There was the almost perfect draft where I loved a lot of their picks, but due to one or two little tweaks... They're not the perfect perfect, but still a really great one. Then there's the immediate impact, but they fell short a couple times. So this is just the non-almost perfect, but still really good. Still I'm a big fan of. Then there's the promising players, but nothing to write home about. Just every team gets their first round pick. Just it it was like a so-so. Then there's the risky with high upside, but also high downside. So that's a couple teams that I think had players that obviously have some real potential, but they there was a lot of question marks. They didn't fully hit all the positions that they need. And then last but not least, I have the teams that I just didn't like their drafts whatsoever. So how I think I'm going to do this is I am going to go from last to first, starting with my least favorite draft in the league, and that was with the LA Rams. Uh, there's not really much to say about this one at all. I know a lot of people have the Raiders as their worst. That one's coming up very, very soon. But I think the Rams did not do anything worthwhile in this draft. In their first round, they didn't have it because of the Jalen Ramsey trade. In the second round, on day two, they selected Tutu Atwell, the receiver out of Louisville. And I kind of hate this pick. They signed Deshaun Jackson in the offseason to be the deep threat. They already have Van Jefferson on the rise. I know that Josh Reynolds left, but I still think that they have a very solid receiving core before they made this pick. They had only one second-round pick, and rather than using it to address O-line, to address corner, to address a coverage linebacker, they went 2-2 Atwell. Super undersized. I know that he has speed, and I know Matt Stafford has a gun, has a cannon for an arm, but just what you could have gotten and the positions that you could have filled, I think that you missed out on a big opportunity. I really don't like, I mean, on their left side of their offensive line, they have Whitworth, who's now coming up on 40, and their left guard and center are no names, and rather than addressing that, they went receiver, a thing that I really didn't think that they need. Later in day two, they got Ernest Jones, a linebacker that's obviously trying to fill their coverage linebacker need, but I don't think that he has a high enough talent to immediately step in and there become the starter. Some day three picks that I saw, Bobby Brown, the D-tackle, and Robert Rochelle, I actually like the corner, but again, those are late round picks. I don't think, I think just missing the first round completely and the second round getting such a 
kooky uh, if he hits it's whatever because he's gonna only be the third receiver I just don't really like the pick and I think that they could have done a lot more with those two day two picks uh, with the 31st draft another one that I really hate was the Oakland Ra or the Las Vegas Raiders I'm sorry uh, in the first round they selected Alex Leatherwood a trade that as you guys heard from my draft reaction it was the worst pick in the first round in my opinion I, I actually really like the Trayvon Merrig pick but then again they missed with Malcolm Kuntz in the third round just they could have gone with a lot better linebacker prospects I really wanted them to get JOK at some point and they let him fall twice then they selected Devine Diablo who I'm actually a big fan of but I think that he plays such a similar role to John Abraham that I don't and John Abraham I haven't been loving his progression due to injuries and stuff like that so obviously this might be the replacement but overall getting three safeties Merrig Diablo and then Tyree Gillespie in the next in the day three pick just you're missing out on defensive line I still think that they need edge they needed to address corner a lot better and with the Leatherwood pick I know that they needed offensive line and they did address that but there were so many better guys on the board there was Derisaw, Raidens I like Cosme I like Mayfield I like so many other guys so much more at that tackle spot I know that they have also the flexibility to slide them to guard which I assume that they might do but spending your first round pick especially when they just paid Colton Miller I the first round is really what capped off Merrick is the only redeemable quality on this team and why it's not last but overall was really not a fan of it at all at 30 one that might get some jaw droppers but I think the Steelers had an awful draft uh, round one day one they went Najee Harris at 24 a pick that you guys heard in my live reaction I was almost I was on the verge of tears because no team has really understood and recognized how easy it is to get a running back late especially the Steelers a team that I feel like is so good at producing talent and getting the most out of their late round picks and their players like that so to go in round one addressing running back I know that they didn't have a running back and they definitely should have addressed a running back at some point but you can't tell me that in four years you'll either have to pay him and then it'll become a cap problem with the team or you let him walk in four years and then why'd you spend a first round pick on a dude that you only had for four years and you knew it it just doesn't make much sense then in day two they went pat Fryermith with the first pick a guy that i think is so talented but you have eric ebron and i think he's very talented and i don't know why backup tight end was your next order of business when there are many many holes to fill they needed to fill o-line they needed new corners they needed an edge i do like that they take took Quincy Roche out of Miami on day three, which is like a good value pick. But again, he's not going to go in and immediately start. I, I do. I'm a big fan of Alex Highsmith, and I think that he'll do very good this season. Uh, Kendrick Green, they also got in day two, who will be a good guard replacement, but they still have a lot of holes on their offensive line. So it's going to be difficult for Najee Harris to run through holes when both of your first, when you guys as the Steelers, uh, the Steelers fans know, what led them up to their 11-0, I know they had such an amazing edge rush and the defense was really stepping up, but the offense of the three receivers and everything short and whatever, to then add two more to the offense, it's a lot. I don't know. I'm just not the biggest fan of this draft. I think that if they had gone tackle in round one and corner in round two or tackle in round one and edge in round two, I would have felt a lot more comfortable with the Steelers. But instead, they went double offense, double skill position in the first two rounds. Don't love it that much. 
At 29, the Texans, it's very, very difficult for them to have a good draft whatsoever. Uh, in day, they had no day one picks because of the Laramie Tunsil trade. They also had no round two picks because of the Laramie Tunsil trade. And then in on day two, in the third round, they took Davis Mills, a developmental quarterback out of Stanford. I actually really like his potential, but I mean, this is publicly admitting that Watson is no longer a part of the Texans organization. No matter what happens in his case, this is them saying we have Tyrod and Davis Mills as our new guys. I think the reason why I had them at 29 above the other teams is because he could become the starter and say that there is a case where he does show some flashes. The fact that they got a quarterback in the third round that showed some flashes when they are just coming off such an amazing quarterback, that would be very, very great if they could capitalize on that they also got nico collins in day two and brevin jordan a guy that i really like in day three but those are really the only three guys and a team that is looks like it could be top three worst roster in the nfl to only add three guys that i even think of let alone that are good only actually i think brevin jordan honestly might make somewhat of an impact but i would i would have to assume that davis mills won't be the starter this year nico collins though he is talented he won't get reps over chad hansen or randall cobb or the other receivers that they've or brandon cooks for sure just other guys it's it's very very hard for them to do well with the limited amount of picks that they have but they just did not have a great draft overall. And then the last team in the didn't like it at all category at 28 was the Seattle Seahawks. They also did not have a first round pick. And you've definitely seen a common trend now that three of the four teams that didn't have a first round pick are all in the didn't like it at all. It's very hard to have a great draft when you don't have a first round player. Those are the top 32. But they could have hit in the second round like the Chiefs did. I'll get to that one later. They're a lot higher up on the list. But in day two, they took Dwayne Eskridge, the receiver. Again, this is so similar to the Rams that you guys... The receiving core is the thing that is by far the best on the Seahawks. I know that they needed a third. I know they lost David Moore. But another very small guy at a position that they technically don't need. You need edge rushers, you need a better corner, and you need more offensive line. They actually have done some small stuff to the offensive line this season that I have liked, but overall, Trey Brown and Stone Forsyth in day three are also very good value picks, but only with three picks. If one of them is a small, high ceiling, but low, low, low floor, very good chance to bust, Dwayne Eskridge, I don't know how much I like it. I think that you could have picked up another receiver in free agency and instead addressed a bigger position of need with that pick. Missed opportunity for the Seahawks. In the next tier, I have got the risky with the high upside and high downside like teams. So at 27, I've got the New Orleans Saints. In the first round, they went Peyton Turner, a guy very athletic with high upside. Day two, they took Pete Werner, uh, inside linebacker, Paulson Adebo, and then on day three, the only player of value that they took is Ian Book. I think it was just a lot of risky guys. Uh, day like Not a ton of day one contributors to a team that actually could have used some day one contributors. You really didn't need to go offensive line. They didn't have scary, huge positions of need, but they didn't take a second wide receiver, which I really wanted them to take. A, a guy that's better than Traquan Smith to be the two. I hate the Ian Book pick completely and I think that he should have gone undrafted. The fact that he was drafted above Jamie Newman is out of this world, in my opinion. Turner is okay. I like, like, Owe. I like 
other dudes that were taken at edge. I like Azizo Jalari more. Uh, I, Turner does fit similar to Cam Jordan, so I could understand where they were going with this. Again, it's there is talent there, but they could have just done a little bit better with each of their picks. For the Colts, they doubled down on D-end when they really need a tackle, a wide receiver, and better corners. They went Quiddy Pay in round one and Deo Odenigbo in, I forget if it was round two or round three, it was during day two. And then in day three, they took Sam Ellinger, who I'm like, why are you taking that? Didn't you take Jacob Eason last year to be the long-term backup quarterback? I guess, whatever. They had three positions of need in tackle, wide receiver, and corner that they did not address well enough whatsoever. They're now going to be going into the season with question marks at those positions. I think wide receiver, they're more confident on than the other two, but Xavier Rhodes is getting very old after they lost. Anthony Costanzo, they had a huge hole there, and they did not seem to fill it in the draft, so they had good potential players, but missed on a couple places. Uh, 25, I've got the Cardinals. They In round one, they got Zavin Collins at pick 16. I really like his talent, but I think that was a bit high for where he got drafted. They could have definitely traded back, or maybe even waited until the second round, and he might have still been there. And then on day two, they took Rondale Moore, which again, is very, he's explosive, he's great, and he's, we love to add young quarterbacks with talent around them. It's what you have to do, but there are already so, so, so many receivers in that building. It wasn't so big of a need. They just signed AJ Green. I really like the development of Andy Isabella. He's still young and he still has so much potential. I think that he's better than Rondale Moore right now too, and they really needed to address guard, tight end, and nose tackle, and they didn't do that. I, I do like in day three, they also took Marco Wilson and Tay Gowan, two underrated corners, so I really like, and they did need corners, so I like that they took two really underrated guys with a lot of high potential, but they failed to address three positions where I saw a need and instead took another hybrid linebacker similar to Isaiah Simmons. Eh. And then Rondale Moore, who's right now, I think, wide receiver five on their depth chart. So to use their only day two pick on a wide receiver five is here and there. At uh, 24, I've got the Packers. This is one that I had a lot of difficulty getting a read on just because the entire draft was encapsulated by Aaron Rodgers and the decision that he said that he was not going to be returning to the Green Bay Packers anytime soon. So every single pick was revolved around that. Will they take a receiver in round one? Will that matter? Who will they take? Whatever. I think that with the players that they picked, I, I ranked them higher than the Cardinals because honestly, they did feel fill positions in need. I think that they needed somebody better than Kevin King to be alongside Jerry Alexander, and I like Eric Stokes there. Josh Myers does fill in for the Corey Lindsley loss that they had, and then Amari Rogers is definitely a good receiver at where they took him, but they didn't I don't think that Amari Rogers day one is better than Equinemius, or not Equinemius St. Brown, Marquez Valdez Scantling, or Alan Lazard or Devin Funches, and obviously not Devontae Adams so it's a deeper player whatever. They also took Royce Newman a garden to Daryl Slayton in day three. I Nothing that was so awful, but it was here and there. Again, it was n nobody that really stood out to me as so fantastic. Similar to the Packers, another team that no one stood out, but no one really bad was the Buccaneers. In round one, they took Joe Tryon. They really didn't have any positions, uh, glaring positions of need, so they took high potential backups that are going to learn under great players. Joe Tryon will learn under Shaq Barrett and JPP. Uh, then in day two, they took Kyle Trask. This is the only one that I, this is why it's not higher, because I'm personally not a fan of the Trask pick at all. I think that all the quarterbacks that were taken below him, like that were also in 
day three have more potential than him. And obviously this is now them saying that this is our backup option for when Brady retires or when he leaves or when whatever. It's a, a ways down the line, so it's not something to worry about right now. And like I said, they don't have extreme positions in need, so it's not like they miss so big. They also took Robert Hainsley a tackle in day two, and then they got Jalen Darden in day three, another receiver, super speedy. I really like that pick. Now, the next one coming up that I liked and didn't, whatever, is the Bills. I think a lot of people have this higher than I do. Uh, I mostly have it down here because Gregory Rousseau is a question mark. Is He has high potential, but also a high potential to bust. And I think I like those types of picks. I know that the Bills do have a history of being able to develop players somewhat well. Actually, now, now that I'm even thinking about it, I'm trying to think of examples, and I can't that much. I mean, Mario Williams is a very high draft pick, so it's not like their edge rushers in the past have been so amazing from them. Jerry Hughes wasn't drafted by them either. So Gregory Rousseau is okay. Then they doubled down on the edge spot by getting Carlos Basham. It's Okay, I mean, edge is definitely something that they need, but I think that their front seven is still lacking. I think that they they don't have an elite pass rusher to help bring up Rousseau and Basham and give them pressure on the other side. Jerry Hughes won't do that. Their interior, their D-line is still very old, and I would have liked them to go another running back to add to the backfield of Singletary and Moss, maybe just a third guy that can just, a change of pace back that can be thrown in the mix, because I think, honestly, Devin Singletary's career is starting to go on a slow decline, but if both of those hit, that is a position of need at the edge spot, so it's just a big question mark. They have the potential of being two great edges that they get. I, I also like AJ Epinesa, a pick from last year, so so they're definitely moving in the right direction, but again, some question marks. Then in day two, they also took Spencer Brown, the tackle. I really like him. And Tommy Doyle in day three, also a tackle, as well as Wild uh, Rashad Wild Goose, the corner. I had him ranked higher than, I think, sixth or seventh round is where they got him. So a steal there, not a day one contributor, but great special teams guy. I liked it, but didn't love it. The next is 21. I've got the Cowboys, who in round one went Micah Parsons. They actually traded down from 10 to 12, allowing the Eagles to jump up over the Giants. And they selected Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. I like the pick, but obviously when you look at their defense, that's already depleted. The one position where I think that they are fine is linebacker because they have Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. It's I'm not saying that he's not going to get so much time because they they used a very high pick on him, so they'll definitely find a way to get all of them in the field. But I would have liked it. I mean, it's very hard what to do because I think that their whole draft board was surrounded by J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. So when they were gone, it's very hard for them to do anything. But if they had traded back two, I think that they could have easily traded back a couple more and then get gotten maybe a Zayvon Collins, who's very similar-ish in the same vein, maybe traded back and gotten Caleb Farley, a position that I think that they need a little bit more. It's okay. Then in day two, Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. I like him. Osa Odenizua. I'm not too sure how to pronounce that, but D-Tackle and Chauncey Goldston, the edge. They're solid, like, developmental players, but no one that's really going to make an impact right away at all. 
And then day three, a pick that I really liked was Jabril Cox, a very athletic inside linebacker. But again, inside linebacker was the thing that they went in first round. So I just don't see Jabril Cox getting too much time on the field this year either, sadly enough. Then with the last team that's in my risky high upside, high downside is the Tennessee Titans, who in round one took the chance to get Caleb Farley. He is the definition of high upside, high downside. It's if the injuries are a true concern, then it could be a wasted pick. But if not, then he could easily, easily, easily become the best corner in this draft. They could Dylan Radins, a tackle that I really like, as well as Monty Rice, a linebacker that I really like, and Elijah Molden, actually. that That's a, a couple guys to add to that defense that... I was definitely depleting very, very slowly. I would have liked it if they put more of an emphasis on edge or the filler for Corey Davis. They didn't get another receiver either. They got Des Fitzpatrick on day three, but again, that's not going to make an incredible impact so soon. But Caleb Forley, Monty Rice, Elijah Molden is definitely three great additions to a defense that need it. And then Raiden's, I guess he'll fill in at that tackle spot, at that right tackle spot. They had an overall, like, I I liked a lot of the players, but no one that's so eye-popping that I'm like, damn, they really got a steal. Just some really solid players to add to positions where they need. Then we are getting into the next tier. This is the promising players, but nothing to write home about. This is, I like a play, I really liked a player that was in their draft, but overall they just fell short of having that like, oh my God, this is such a great draft class is going to make impact for so many years to come for one reason or another. So at 19, I've got the Philadelphia Eagles who in round one traded up two spots to get Devonta Smith, the receiver out of Alabama. I had actually projected that he would fall in a lot more than he did. I didn't think that he would be a top 10 pick. Ultimately, at the end of the the top 10, he slipped right in. The Eagles slipped right in there and got their guy. Let's now, all we need to do is wait and see, is this the receiver that's going to fill their wide receiver needs? Last year, they took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. In years past, they took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside over so many other dudes that were so much better than them. So all that's left to do is see, I put them here because Devonta Smith does have some really high upside. Then in day two, they took Landon Dickerson, who I think they're going to slide to guard. And they also took Milton Williams, a D tackle that I really like. And then in day three, they took Kenneth Gainwell, uh, Marlon Tupa, I'm not too sure how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to try to butcher it. And Patrick Johnson, the edge out of Tulane. So I, I really like some of their day two picks. I think that the biggest hole and the reason why they're 19 and not so much higher because I did like a lot of the players that they got is that they failed to address middle linebacker and corner two positions that they need so so bad and instead continually when end or d tackle or edge the the thing that I think that they're best at they still have Javon Hargrave Fletcher Cox Brandon Graham Derek Barnett so many guys like that so to continue to add to that defensive line is Eh, the two biggest things that I thought the entire draft they'd look for, they didn't get either of them. So they failed on that front, but they the players that they did get do have a lot of potential and talent. So that's where I'm feeling for them. Uh, at 18, I have also, I ranked them pretty low compared to where other people have them, but the Atlanta Falcons, I am still not a fan of the Pitts pick whatsoever. 
Their defense, which was already one of the worst units in the entire NFL, really did not improve that much. They got Richie Grant on day two, but that's not enough to really bolster an entire defense. They needed edge, they needed defensive line, they needed linebackers, and instead they left day one with another receiver, even though receiver is clearly their best unit by such a landslide. Then they... In day two, I, I really like the talent of Jalen Mayfield, but again, was tackle really what they need when they have Jake Matthews? They're paying him so much. It's neither here nor there. What I think that's going to happen from this is they will have one of the greatest passing attacks we've ever seen and arguably the worst defense in the NFL, and that's going to ultimately hurt them enough to not make the playoffs. It is what it is. I think Pitts will continue to develop and is such an amazing player. Don't get me wrong. He is amazing. He will do amazing, but you have Hayden Hurst there, a guy that's still pretty young, a former first-round talent, and then drafting that versus still the idea. I know that I've Reference this so, so, so many times, but I think the Falcons had the chance to become this revolutionary, similar to the OKC Thunder, maybe two or even three trade downs and just acquire a mass amount of picks over this year, next year, the year after, and all that, and just be set up for years and years to come without getting pits. They could have double traded down and gotten a linebacker, could have gotten Caleb Farley, could have gotten Greg Newsom, like another guy that I think would have made a lot better day one impact for the entire development, for the success of the team. But instead they went with the guy with the more talent, less of a positional need. So I've got them down at 18. At 17, I've got the Denver Broncos. This one, again, it's players that I like at places that I didn't like them. Uh, in round one, they went Patrick Sertan, which he's an amazing player, don't get me wrong, and I think that he has the chance to be the best corner in this draft, but they have so, so, so much depth, and they've paid a lot of money to the cornerback position. They clearly do not feel confident about Bryce Callahan's ability to stay healthy. But even so, I, I, they drafted Oja Mudia in the third round last year. They brought back Kareem Jackson, who I think can play safety and corner. Uh, they signed Ronald Darby to a three-year deal. They also signed Kendall, uh, Kyle Fuller. They've signed a lot of people. And then with their ninth pick, they went corner again. So they have the best secondary in the NFL now. I think that it's unquestioned that they have the number one secondary in the NFL. But... Still, it's falling short because they could have taken somebody else or even traded back. Then in round two, they took Javante Williams and they traded up for him. They just had Philip Lindsay, an undrafted guy that they could have. I know that I don't like paying running backs and they probably shouldn't have paid him, but you could have wait, waited until round four, round five, something later. You definitely did not need a trade up to then lower the value of Melvin Gordon. I think overall it's going to develop the offense. It's better to have a change of pace back. They really didn't have a backup that's good, but just where they took him, eh. Then, honestly, with the lat, there's four more players that I love, where they got them, the talent, all that, but it was the first two picks that really brought it down to 17. Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater, I really like him, a D3 school, I really, really like him. Baron Browning, the middle linebacker, I think that he, he'll automatically be better than Josie Jewell. I don't, I think AJ Johnson's still the starting middle linebacker, but. I really like his potential and his upside and his ability to easily step in and become a contributor. Then in day three, they got Kerry Vincent, the corner, and Jamar Johnson, two steals. I don't think, obviously, they're going to be contributors day one, obviously, because they're day three guys, but those are guys that can develop under really great this is when you should have taken the corner and the safety. These are the players that you should have as your backups at 
the corner and safety position who learn, not Sertan, where you're wasting it this high. I, I think, honestly, if they had gone Micah Parsons with that first pick and then even didn't trade up and still just got Javante Williams, this would be a top 10 draft. But because they had to trade up for a running back, which I obviously don't like, and then took their deepest position with their ninth pick, I can't put them any higher than 17. At 16, I've got the San Francisco 49ers. They did it. They got their guy. And that is the reason why they're 16 is strictly because of Trey Lance. He was my quarterback three. I think he's the right pick. I think that his talent and upside in the Kyle Shanahan system is out of this world. And he has the chance to be so fantastic. But past that pick, I don't love it that much. Aaron Banks, I know that they needed guard and he'll probably be the day one starter. But I think that there were better guys at guard to take there. Then they traded up and got Trey Sermon, which is so surprising being that they've been this three-headed monster backfield for so long, so to trade up for a running back that's not so much better than the ones that were drafted around two rounds deeper is, it's okay. It's obviously going to lessen the value of the other guys because I think they're going right back to that three running back, three-headed running back scheme-ish where Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Trey Sermon are going to be the three-headed backfield. They also went Ambry Thomas, cornerback in the second round nothing to write home about. I think that every pick except for Trey Lance could have been a, a bit better, but the fact that they traded up and got their quarterback, this is hopefully the missing piece. They have a better roster, and I, I don't think that this is disputed. They have a better roster minus the quarterback from when they made the Super Bowl. They added Trent Williams. They've they've added Brandon Ayuk last year, in last year's draft. The improvement of Debo Samuel, I, the improvement of the entire defense, Nick Bose is now coming back from injury. I know that they've slipped up a little bit at corner, and I think that they could have addressed corner a bit better. Ambry Thomas is their only corner pick that I really saw. They got Lenore in the in day three, but again, that's not going to be like a day one guy, and it's okay, but it's really just on the shoulders of Trey Lance, whether this was a good draft or not. And then last one that's in the promising players, but nothing to write home about, one that I liked more than most was the New York Giants, who actually traded down from 11 to the Chicago Bears, adding a first-round pick in the process. They were trading up to get uh, Justin Fields. I'm going to talk about them later, but they're a lot higher on the list because I really like that move. But they traded down, got a first-round pick, and still got, you guys know, he is my favorite player in this entire draft, Kadarius Toney, the receiver out of Florida, who's so shifty, such a gadget guy. I really, really like this pick. I think the more that I'm thinking about it, the more I actually really do like him in this offense. On draft night, I had said, is he really better than Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard? I think the more that I think about it, yes. I don't I can't say officially that he'll get more touches than them this year, but down the line, this will definitely be something to help out Daniel Jones a lot. They went Aziz Ojolari in day two, who I think that's a steal to get him around pick 50, I think they got. And then Aaron Robinson was another really great pickup. And then on day three, two guys that I really liked that they picked up were Ellerson Smith, the edge, and Radarius Williams, the corner. Again, it's they took edge and corner the day before, but they're both guys that are developmental that will ultimately, I think, could get to a starting position in two or three years. But for now, I very, very underrated draft. The fact that they added an extra first round pick is why they're definitely the highest on the promising players, but nothing to write home about. But they also didn't get into a bigger one because how much is Kadarius Tony really going to 
be involved in the offense? How much is Aziz Ojolari going to really be involved in the defense this year? And as a team that I think almost made the playoffs last year, they would have wanted one or two guys to really make such a big day one impact. And I don't know how many guys are day one, let's hit the ground running impact players. Then with the next tier, I've got immediate impact, but fell short a few times. At 14, I've got, surprisingly, but then again, not surprisingly because of who they are as a franchise, the Kansas City Chiefs, without a first-round pick, still had a fantastic draft. In day two, they went Nick Bolton, linebacker, and Creed Humphrey, the center. Two positions, huge positions of need, players with very high upside that... Like I said, fill positions of need. This is exactly what the other teams that I had listed at the very bottom of the list did when they didn't have their first round picks. You hit on the second ones and go positions of need and really fill them. And then in day three, they went Trey Smith, a guy that I thought could have been day two, maybe even late, late, late day one type guy. I don't know how he fell so far, but the fact that it's the Chiefs and that they released both of their tackles and still somehow improved their line back to top five in the league is just astounding. It shows that Mahomes should have so much trust in the Chiefs to continue to build around him, even on his huge contract for the rest of his career. No one's, like, gonna start immediately and all of a sudden be this unreal player that's gonna contribute to the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl, but... They needed to cover linebacker. They hit it. They needed more depth in on the line. They hit it. I would have liked it if they had maybe seen if I had seen another receiver, maybe a Sammy Watkins replacer, which I didn't think that I saw. But it's neither here nor there. I think that they had a very good draft, especially for a team without a first round pick. Actually, I mean their first round pick went to a guy that ended up being. Uh, their new starting right tackle in Orlando Brown Jr. from the Baltimore Ravens. So, obviously, so they spent that pick very, very well, clearly. At 13, this one is very hard to do at this place, but it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like every one of their picks except for one. I think you guys know who it was if you listen to my live reactions. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in this draft class. So the fact that they walked away with the best guy, I mean, you had the first pick, so you kind of had to, but that's fantastic. Day two, I really like Tyson Campbell. I think Walker Little, they got so late, and he could be a starting tackle by next year already. Andre Sisco is a heat-seeking. He's always looking for the interception. I love that pick. Jay Tufele and Jordan Smith, the edge out of UAB, they're both some really, really great picks on day three, but... At pick 25, they went with Trevor Lawrence's former teammate, Travis Etienne, the running back, when I think they could have so, so, so waited to go running back. I, I I do agree they should have gone with somebody, some other running back, a change of pace pack for James Robinson. But in the first round, when you're coming off a 1-15 season, that is not the way to go whatsoever. And there's still other positions of need that they have on the on the board like I know that they went with a tackle later but they could have gone double tackle they could have gotten an edge rusher to be alongside Josh Allen another defensive tackle I think that if they had gone with a corner maybe Greg Newsom was still on the board if they had Greg Newsom would have affected the team so 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 much better and quicker and been on the team for longer than Travis Etienne I know that they had the college connection but I just do not see this being the prop the right pick and I think that ultimately it's going to bring down the Jags draft a lot it's there were a lot a lot of picks that I really, really liked, and it's upsetting having to put them this low, but when you fuck up at the end of the first round as a one-win as a one team, that's what you're going to get. 
At 12, I've got the Cincinnati Bengals, who at their first round pick did make the choice that I was not expecting. I thought that they would definitely go Penny Sewell, just seeing what happened to Joe Burrow with his injury last year. But the more that I think about it, the more that I continue to read and continue to see what the Bengals plan is, is I really think that they think that Jonah Williams and Riley Reef are solid enough tackles and they're at least solid enough starters. I can't disagree with that. Jamar Chase is a generational talent at wide receiver. I think he's one of the best dudes that we've seen in a while, and this is going to open up a three-receiver set that is unlike not any other in the NFL, but it's definitely in the top five in the NFL for three receiver sets. So all three are so young, haven't hit their potential. I love T. Higgins. So just continuing to add this, It'll also hopefully open up the running game. Then in day two, they went Jackson Carmen and they filled that O-line spot. I think Carmen was a good pick, not a superb, oh my gosh, insane pick, but very, very good. And then also in day two, they got Joseph Osai out of Texas, a guy that I loved. Then day three, they got Cameron Sample and Tyler Shelvin, another two guys to add to that defense. Hopefully they assume Sample or Osai can be the filler for Carl Lawson that they just lost in free agency. But I, I think they just took really high upside guys. I'm a little bit upset that it wasn't Penny Sewell, and then they take a receiver second. But it's only a small flip-flop, and I don't think that it'll ultimately affect the team that much more. Because they do have a left tackle who's still very young and still has a lot of potential, and a right tackle who... Now it's going to be Carmen, I guess, is the next man up. So they, they did the right thing with what they... Like, they did the right thing after not taking Sewell. It's they didn't fuck it up too bad. Uh, at 11, I've got the Washington football team, a team that I think that a lot of people are lower on it than I was. Uh, in round one, they went Jamin Davis, one of the most athletic linebackers that I've seen. He's really, really great. I like Cole Holcomb at the starting middle linebacker role. He's very young too and hasn't hit his full potential. Middle linebacker was definitely a position of need. Tackle was a position of need. And in day two, they took Samuel Cosme out of Texas. Corner was a position, of, like third corner was a position of need. And they took Saint cornerback St. Juice, Benjamin St. Juice, and then they also needed a receiver three, and they took Deami Brown out of North Carolina. Those four picks, I think, are all going to contribute day one, and that's hard to say. I'm not there. None of them are going to be out of this world athletes. I think Jamin Davis actually has the potential to be that, but the other three could end up becoming starters day one and really see the field early. They have very high talent, very high potential, and I really love the way the football team's going. I've loved how they've done the offseason. I love the way that they were going into the offseason. The only thing that I would have to give them a little bit of a knock on is that they didn't take a quarterback, especially Kellen Mond went to the Vikings, some like other guys that I think around that third round area they could have definitely taken. They still filled positions of need, so I can't be too upset, but maybe going Jamie Newman in round five or six would have helped out more than like John Bates or Shaka Tony, uh, some players that they got in day three, but ultimately still had a very good draft. Then, coming in at the number 10 slot, and the last one in the immediate impact but full short, is the New England Patriots, who in round one selected Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. Uh, I can't knock it 
because I've never really seen a quarterback do awful in the Patriots system. So the second that I say that this was a bad pick, he's going to go in and become a Hall of Famer and prove me wrong. So I'm going to say that it was, we'll see. It's, it's the exact same thing as the other quarterbacks. They've got their new guy the future. I assume that this means that he's going to sit behind Cam Newton for this year. Then day two, they selected Christian Barmore and Ronnie Perkins, two guys that fell to them. They let all these really high talent players fall in the continuing rounds. That's Christian Barmore, Ronnie Perkins. Day three, they got Ramondre Stevenson, Cameron McGrone, and Josh Bledsoe. All five of those guys were taken so much later than I had and so many people had projected them to go. I think that they're gonna, they just continue to add all these guys at all these positions. I think that Mac Jones will make it more relevant and make people realize just how shitty the, re the wide receivers are right there. Mac Jones is fine. I definitely think that he'll do good in that system, but to think that they... I, personally, I am a big believer that if the 49ers had never even talked about Mac Jones, he would have ended up going second, third, fourth round. Not fourth, second or third round. He was definitely the fifth best quarterback out of the ones that are available, but I think that it had a lot to do with the Niners saying that he fits in their, in their system, that people started to love him so much, and then he ended up going in the first round. We'll see. We, we will only wait and see. Now I am into the almost perfect drafts. These are ones that I loved wholeheartedly everything about them, except for maybe one little tweak. <laughs> so at nine, I've got the Minnesota Vikings. My favorite move of the entire draft was trading down and still getting Christian Darisaw, the tackle, a guy that I think is 100% the third best tackle in this draft. I think that there was a chance that they could have gotten him at 14, but they traded down with the New York Jets and still got their guy. They got positions of need, but the biggest thing that they didn't put enough emphasis in that I think is going to really bite them in the ass during the season is the secondary. Their corners, other than Patrick Peterson, are young and inexperienced and not that fantastic, so that might haunt them. And then in day two, they took Chaz Surratt, Wyatt Davis, Patrick Jones, three dudes that I think have super high potential, and I really like them as players. The first one of day two was Kellen Mond, the quarterback at a Texas A&M. We'll see how that pans out. Personally, how I feel is that the Vikings are already kind of in like a going downhill type position with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. So if they hadn't gone Mond, they might have been in a position to take a really early quarterback that they like more than Mond. But now they're kind of locked in with this third round guy as their future past Kirk Cousins. It's here or there. I think that he has a lot of potential and I think that he's hungry to improve and get better. But we'll see. I think that that might be a missed opportunity if they had maybe gone another offensive lineman, a corner, a safety, something there instead of Kellen Mond, a developmental guy. And and I can't see Kirk Cousins leaving the end of this coming year. So it would be a two or three year project that you're taking and in your second pick. We'll see. I, I really, really, the first pick was my favorite of the draft. I think Chaz Surratt, Y. Davis, Patrick Jones, all will pay a very big impact. And they all around had a great draft. But Kellamond, we'll just wait and see. At eight, I had the Chicago Bears who traded up to get their guy. And then in round two, got the tackle of their feet tackle of the future uh, they got justin fields in round one they had to now like i said during draft night this is double the pressure for fields because not a triple actually i'll say the triple in a second it's double because they had to trade two first so he's not only having to ride on that he's worth the first round pick he's worth two but they traded up to get 
Mitch Trubisky years ago. So this is double the double the weight from the fans that are saying you better not make us fuck up and draft and trade up two times for two shitty quarterbacks. I th- that could end up really, really, really biting them in the ass, and Pace and Nagy will be out the door in a second if Fields doesn't work. But if he does, they've got the quarterback of their future, and they are set and ready. And honestly, with the receiving core that they have, with David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, Darno Mooney, Anthony Miller, Cole Komet, I think that this is low-key, low, low, low-key, a dangerous offense to already pair with the very, very talented defense of Khalil Mack, Adrian Amos, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, all the guys on their defense. I think that they will, like the past few years, definitely make a playoff push, but if Justin Fields doesn't pan out, it's fucked, and if Justin Fields does pan out, then this is one of the best drafts that we've seen in a while. At seven, I've got the New York Jets. I'm trying to be as little biased as possible, but to have such an inept offense and then the draft go generational quarterback talent who I am I mean obviously I've kind of grown accustomed to loving Zach Wilson because I'm a Jets fan but he does have so much potential and the ability that we've seen from the highlights of the these Aaron Rodgers type off balance no feet set throws make me so excited as a fan just to see what they're capable of then they add a the best guard in the draft in Elijah Vera Tucker trading up to get him I don't love that they had a trade up to get them, but they are solidifying that left side so that they don't need to think about it for a while. And then in day two, they took Elijah Moore, a first-round talent receiver, to pair up with him. I do think that that means that Jamison Crowder is now going to become expendable slash traded slash cut because he plays that slot position. But you cannot say as a non-Jets fan that they are not trying to not let the Darnold situation happen again. By getting Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore, that is putting talent around him. Then day three, they got Michael Carter, Jameen Sherwood, uh, Hamza Nasirladeen, just a couple guys that I really like and think could make some noise. I think that they could have gone with more guard and center in day three. They went a lot, a lot of defensive back, which is here or there. They definitely don't have great corners, and they still could have addressed that a little bit harder if they hadn't traded up their third round picks to get Elijah Vera Tucker. But those first three players are what pushed the Jets so high on this list, and that is a whole new revamped offense. It's going to look very different from what it was last year. At number six, I've got the Carolina Panthers, who in round one went J.C. Horn, my personal cornerback one. I was very excited to see that the draft and the Carolina Panthers agreed with me that he was the cornerback one in this draft. Day two, they went with three dudes that I think will all contribute immediately on this offense, surrounding Sam Darnold with talent and Terrence Mar- Terrace Marshall out of LSU, Brady Christensen, the tackle from BYU, and Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame. Three dudes that I think will all start on the offense at some point. Ian Thomas is not that fantastic at tight end, and Tommy Tremble could definitely get that starting role. Uh, Originally, last year, they were running this three-receiver set with Curtis Samuel, and now that Curtis Samuel has left, they can go back to the three-receiver set with Marshall, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. And then Brady Christensen, though he's old, he is one of the best day-one tackles at a position that they need. So they got two, they got a shutdown corner to be alongside Dante Jackson, who I think has so much potential. 
They got a second corner, and then they filled three positions on offense that they really did need. I really, really love all these picks. Nothing that's like jaw-droppingly, they got this guy at this pick. How? But at their picks, they capitalized at positions that they need with very, very talented guys. So I'm very happy with what the Panthers did. And then the last almost perfect draft, not perfect, perfect, but very close to it. I have the LA Chargers, who in round one didn't have to trade up at all. I thought that they would trade up to get Rashawn Slater, but they stayed put, let other teams trade around them, and they still got their guy, the second best tackle in the league. Really, I, I don't remember the last time that a team has put this much emphasis on offensive line in one offseason, getting the best center, the second, the best center in free agency agency, the second best tackle, and a, a bunch of other guys to rotate in. That's going to completely change that line. Brian Bulaga is still there. It's going to make life so, so, so much easier for Justin Herbert. And usually when you're like adding stuff for your quarterback, it's receiver, it's tight end, whatever, but they're really already so talented there. They not only have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, but they have Jalen Guyton I really like. There's just a lot of guys on that team with a lot of talent. In day two, they went Asante Samuel at corner, a position that they really need. Josh Palmer, a receiver to get in the mix. And Trey McKitty, hopefully the, the follower and the runner-up from Hunter Henry. I, I really like all the moves that they did. It's going to make life so easy for Justin Herbert. They're trying as hard as he can to not have the sophomore slump that I think a lot of people are projecting. The only thing left that I would have liked is another middle linebacker to go along with Kenneth Murray, their first-round pick from last year. But even without addressing that, they still got a lot of players that will have day-one impact. Slater is such a fantastic player. That is a plug-and-play. Don't worry about the tackle position for the next 10 years at Rashawn Slater's side. I really love that one. And now, to end it off, we have the perfect drafts. These are the four teams that I think did everything in their power to get all the positions of need, that got multiple steals, that got players that fell to them that shouldn't have fell to them, and they just continue to hit with amazing picks. At number four, I've got the Baltimore Ravens, who took Rashad Bateman and Jason Owe in the first round. I do not know how Rashad Bateman fell so far, becoming the fifth receiver off the board, but they've got their guy. They needed receiver very badly, and I think Bateman's going to do exactly that. Then in day two, they took Ben Cleveland and Brandon Stevens. Ben Cleveland at guard. They really needed to address O-line. And then day three, they went Tylen Wallace, a guy that I think is was underdrafted or like fell to them really hard and Sean Wade a guy that fell to them as well it's the three things that they needed going into this was receiver o-line and edge and they hit receiver with two guys line and edge so i'm very happy with what the ravens did i think that the bateman pick really capped it off and made it perfect because they got a guy that i projected to fall within the first top 20 and they might need a trade both of their first round picks just to go up and get him but instead they stayed put, let him fall all the way to them, and then still got Jason Oway, a edge rusher to fill in for the Matt Judon role. Love what they did there. Love, love, love it. Hopefully, Lamar airs it out a lot more this year. I think that he has the passing ability, and he has the talent to be this pass-first offense, but they've worked so well in this run-first offense. We'll just see where it goes. But ultimately, some really, really speedy guys, guys that'll open up the offense. I love that one. Then at three, I've got the Detroit Lions, a team that I did not see myself saying that they had a perfect draft, but when 
their coach says that they want to bite their kneecaps off, they are getting those types of guys. That is exactly what they did. I had a hunch that they'd go a lot of O and D line because those are the big mauler guys, and they did exactly that. In round one, they went Penny Sewell, a generational tackle prospect. I think the one of the best ones that we've seen in a while, a dude that could definitely be a future Hall of Famer. Day two, they went Levi on Ruzurike, Aleem McNeil, and Melifanwu, the cornerback out of Syracuse. Just three really, really great picks. They took guys with very high upside. I don't love that they double, doubled up on D-tackle twice in a row, especially when they have Trey Flowers. And like guys on that D-line, D-line is probably not their biggest need, but they got Maulers. They got guys with very, very high potential. And... I know that it might seem weird, but as the Lions, they don't need to go for these day one, they're going to contribute to wins. I personally think that they're going to have a top three worst record with this team, and it's still a great unit to start building for your future. Day three, they got Amon Ross St. Brown, a receiver, who I think will automatically step in and start getting some minutes, as well as Derek Barnes, a linebacker that I don't see many guys in their linebacking core that are going to be so much better than him. So if they could get some production out out of Sewell, Omruzurike, Melifanwu, St. Brown, guys like that, and continue to just build up. It's very slowly starting the rebuild. This is the first step. They won't do well this year. Hopefully, they're in a place where they have a very early pick, and they can get rid of Goff, get a quarterback in there, and then they have the generational left tackle and two great defensive linemen, a position that you really, really need to start building from. You build from the lines. That is exactly how they do it. The Lions built from the lines. I love it. And then my number two team, I have got the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the team that I think are going to be a AFC contender have only gotten better. Arguably the best free agency class out of anyone. Then in day one, they went... They're sitting there at 26, and I am screaming at the TV, get Jeremiah Usukoromoa, and they said they don't. And instead, they go Greg Newsome cornerback at a Northwestern, who I love. That is automatically going to go in there and become the number two guy alongside Denzel Ward to create a fantastic cornerback group. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? They still got a guy at a position to need with so much talent. I know that they need that move around linebacker, but whatever, they could find it later. They waited Waited, 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 and still got a Wusu Koromoa. I was... It looked fantastic. Those were the two biggest concerns going into this for this team going into this draft for sure was their secondary corner and a linebacker who could kind of be that Fred Warner, Bobby Wagner, Darius Leonard guy of that defense. And I think Owusu Kormoa is going to be exactly that. Also in day two, they also got Anthony Schwartz, the fastest receiver. Then in day three, they got multiple guys that I loved. And James Hudson, the tackle, Tommy Togai, the D-tackle, Richard LeCount, the safety, Demetric Felton, the receiver-running-back hybrid, and then they got an undrafted guy in Marvin Wilson at D-tackle. They continually hit on multiple guys that I think are all going to be next up to be fantastic guys. Because they already have so many great players starting, all these dudes, too, can just continue to learn under veterans. Greg Newsom will learn from Denzel Ward. Hudson is going to learn behind one of the greatest offensive lines in the league right now. 
Uh, Dimitrik Felton and Anthony Schwartz can learn behind OBJ and Jarvis Landry. I think two guys that are actually very similar to them. And just they just continually hit. Those are two guys that will start on their defense. Day one, defense is clearly what they needed, not offense. They have such an efficient offense. They added two guys that will be day one starters. I love what the Cleveland Browns did. And then at number one, sadly, one of my least favorite teams in the league, but I have to hand it to them. They did everything right. It was the Miami Dolphins. On day one at pick six, they went out there and got Jalen Waddell, the speedy, explosive receiver out of Alabama in at pick six. Then with their second first round pick, their own, they got Jalen Phillips, the best edge, also out of Miami. Keep him in Miami. And that is a deadly duo. This is giving to a, one of the, I think personally, I was a big fan of Waddle. I think that he is the second best receiver in this class. He is very, he's small, but he is, plays way above his side, above his size. He is so explosive. Phillips, I think, is going to set the edge so well, and he is such a great player to be on this team. On the other side of Ogba, they are going to wreak Havoc, for sure. I gave the Waddle pick, I think, an A- and a Phil and the Phillips pick an A+. Both fantastic day one contributors. And then in day two, they got three guys that I really like all three. And Javon Holland, the safety out of Oregon, Liam Eikenberg, tackle, and Hunter Long, the tight end. Three guys. They needed safety. I think Holland can become a starting guy over like Eric Rowe. And then Liam Eikenberg, they don't desperately need tackle right now, but they have young guys there. So say that there's an injury or one of them isn't fit to get the role. Eikenberg is so talented. That is, I mean, and then Hunter Long, they have Gasicki. So going back up tight end is here or there. I think that they could have gone another offensive line pick with that one. But those four guys in Waddle, Phillips, Holland, and Eikenberg are all going to contribute so, so, so much to a team that's on the rise, a coach that can get the best out of their players, and things look like they're going really great for the Dolphins with these four guys. That is going to add and make, it's going to make the pressure bigger on Tua, but it's the pressure that he needs to succeed. They're setting themselves up for so much potential to be great for the next many, many, many years, and I love the way that they went in this draft. So that is all for my breakdown of every draft class in the league. I hope you guys liked it. I hope you guys agree, disagree. I obviously love disagree. I want to hear from different sides. I think that actually when I was like doing the research of how people felt about these, so many opinions were different. I've seen people putting the Bills draft as high as five and people putting it as low as 30. I've seen people loving the Buccaneers draft because they really didn't have any positions of need, so they didn't miss anything, but also people hating it because they weren't guys that had super high names. I think I, I love my rankings, obviously, because they're mine. Not going to say any different, but it's. I, I think that I definitely broke it down well with the positions that they needed, the positions that they addressed, and if they failed to do so or not, the players that fell. There were actually some really, really great undrafted players. I think that I'm going to touch on that in the next video. The next video, I also want to do a big deep dive in a big draft trend that I saw. I'm not going to spoil it now. You guys need to tune in next episode so that you can hear it, but I really want to do like a psychological analysis of this trend that continued to come up that I think is a big mistake and 
Not a lot of people are talking about it, but I'm going to do a deep dive on that in my next episode. I hope to see you guys there. Have an amazing day and go crazy. The draft is over, sadly, but the football season is just beginning. Training camp is right around the corner. I will still be coming at you with some football knowledge and episodes every single week up until I think that I'm going to take a summer break, but... For now, the content will still be coming with more and more draft stuff every single week. So get ready for that. I hope you guys enjoy your day. Have a good one and peace out.